the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, once again, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to our show on this Saturday August 10th, 2019, and we've got a ton of things to talk about. A bunch of things have happened. A lot of things have happened since last Saturday. And, uh, my friends, it's, it's becoming a crazy world. It really is. It's always been a crazy world, but it just, uh, thanks to mass media, it has become even worse, I think. So, well, uh, let's jump into it. First of all, the tragedy in El Paso and, uh, and in Dayton and, um, the media response to it. I mean, I really, truly blame the media, the mainstream media, the liberal media for the way that uh, things have played out. I really do. I mean, this, uh, you know, a, a person who is nuts is nuts. And to hold others responsible and not only to hold them responsible, but to run around and put microphones in people who are politicizing the situation is outrageous. And that's what the mainstream media has done. They've run around and put the microphones in front of people like Beto O'Rourke, all of the Democrats, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, even Joe Biden has jumped on the on the bandwagon. And uh, these people, all they do is all they're doing is just making politics out of it. Then, of course, you've got the civil rights leaders. Oh, yeah. Let me use that phrase. Very, very uh, gingerly. The the civil rights leaders, Hispanic leaders, the demagoguing Democrat Hispanic leaders and demagoguing black leaders. And these guys, you know, uh, they make race for a living. They, they, they use racism for a living. And so uh, the more fodder that they can find, the better it is for them. And, uh, you know, to accuse President Trump of being a racist with a straight face is so outrageous, not to mention so, so evil, so evil. Uh, let me, uh, you know, th- there are so many p- issues here. Let me begin with the issue of uh, uh, of the gun control, my friends. So the issue of the gun control, because again, my friends, the shooting in 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 El Paso and in Dayton is a result of people who are nuts, not people who are law abiding citizens and gun owners. They are nuts, and for 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 the media, for the liberal media, for the Democrats, for anyone to associate the uh, these crazy people with with legitimate lawful. Gun owners is ridiculous. You know, when somebody asks me, well, what do you think should be done about gun? Nothing should be done about gun control regarding these clowns. Now, let's talk about the second issue. Let's talk about racism. Again, there is there is racism, my friends. I will tell you there is racism, but there's racism among blacks. There's racism among whites. There's racism among Hispanics. There's racism everybody, um, everywhere. So to talk about racism, let's talk about racism across the board. Let's not, not let's not have one group pre- preach to another one, okay? Sanctimoniously preach to another one. That's number two. Number three, let's talk about mental health, because in today's world, uh, you know, anybody can get a handicap sticker. I don't know if you know that, notice that, but anybody can get a handicap sticker, and so therefore they get privileged to park close. Uh, to the entrance of uh, of businesses because they've got a handicap sticker and anybody can get it. Well, the same way, my friends, everybody is mentally ill in today's world. Everybody's bipolar. Everybody's suffering from some type of depression. You know, we coddle ourselves instead of disciplining ourselves. And in many cases, we don't discipline people within our own families. You know, the vast majority of the people that have done the shootings, these mass shootings, are young men. Young men from broken homes. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I've got 
three great, great uh, folk, uh, th- three great uh, guests who are going to be chatting about that. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking exactly about the problems that they fa- that we face uh, with with this situation. We've got Mike Helley from the San Antonio Police Officers Association, who's going to be chatting about the the problems that the police department faces, the police officers face in trying to uh, maintain law and order in the streets, and how they face. People who are undisciplined, young people who are undisciplined. Yes, that's the problem. Young people who are undisciplined. We're also going to be talking with Silvio Canto, a very good friend of mine who is a blogger and commentator out of Dallas, and he's going to be uh, uh, talking in a very, very honest manner about the recent shootings. We're also going to finally have, a, we're, we're not finally, but we're going to, our final guest, or, or uh, I think it's our first guest, is going to be Mr. Chip Roy, the um, uh, uh, congressman from District 21, my congressman from District 21, who, in my opinion, is 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 the most uh, rational, honest congressman in the in in, in the House. He really is, and uh, he's going to be chatting about uh, his recent visit to the to the uh, to the border, and uh, of course he's going to you know. Chat a little bit about what's what's been the sad situation that we've been we've been watching unfold in uh, in in El Paso and other places, but my friends, the problem again, my problem, the, the problem that we've got, the problem is the issue of uh, uh, of self control. We don't need more gun control. We need self control. We need families who are going to uh, take care of their children, who are going to discipline their children, who are going to put. Who are going to put controls and and, uh, and and borders on their kids? Who are going to tell their kids this is what you can do and this is what you can't do? Because you know they expect the schools to do it now, and the schools are not doing it. The schools, if anything, the public schools, uh, they're more in the realm of the liberal thinking. They're not going to do it. Heavens, I've I talked to teachers who are afraid to discipline kids. So, uh, you know, this is the problem that we've got. We've got a generation that's been raised by another generation that is out of control. I mean, the, I blame the baby boomers, my generation. Freedom, free love, et cetera, et cetera. It was a, it was, it, it, ours was a, was a world with lots, of in, uh, uh, with lots of entertainment and no boundaries. And that's how we raised our kids. And now the grandkids are even worse. They expect a world with lots of things in it, but with no boundaries. <laughs> That's what they expect. So there's that aspect of it. Now, then, then there's this, this ridiculous, ridiculous reaction. The ridiculous reaction by uh, our, our very good little friend, uh, our congressman here in San Antonio, Congressman Joaquin Castro. And I'll tell you right off the bat, my friends. My friends have always told me that Joaquin is the dumber of the two twins of Julian and Joaquin Castro. He is the dumber one. And this is one of the reasons why they placed him in a safe district. This is one of the reasons why they placed him in a safe district in uh, in San Antonio, where he would not be challenged, where he would be uh, perpetually voted in by Democrats. Well, my friends, I've got news for you. I've got news for you. This man is really, really high on himself and short on his brains. That's the best way that I can put it. For him to jump into this whole discussion and this whole fray, and I call it cyberbullying, and for him to release the names of donors, I mean, you know, it, it, what was these people's crimes? This pe- These people's crime was nothing more, nothing more than to uh, donate to somebody that they felt was more appropriate for their uh, uh, for their political thinking, he didn't do any. They did not do anything other than that. And why is that not considered bullying? You know, Castro told told MSNBC defending himself that it's it's sad to see that San Antonians were donating to Bill, to uh, Donald Trump. Well, I got news for you, my friends. We have the we have the the uh, right to donate and to support whoever we want. Then he goes on to 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 uh, talk about how awful it is that uh, that that he's using the phrase invaders, you know, and this is this this is exactly the the uh, a, 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 a 
one of the talking points that that the liberals have picked up on that the liberals and leftists that that we're calling these people these poor people invaders. They are invaders. They are invaders. Okay, anyone who enters the country illegally, uh, uninvited, is an invader. In my book, and in the books of anybody else, they enter the country illegally. And what part of the word illegal don't you understand? And again, that's another issue. That's another point that I want to bring up with with uh, Joaquin and Julian and all these other clowns. That uh, they don't seem to differentiate between a legal immigrant and an illegal immigrant. There are illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. And that's what they are. And I will not apologize for that because that's what they are. And to to punish people because we want a strong border, a strong, secure border that vets, that that uh, uh, makes sure that anybody comes in, that comes in is coming in for the right reasons and under the right conditions, to be upset about that is outrageous, absolutely outrageous. These guys are nothing more than just uh, racist clowns, just like their mother, who, by the way, was a, a, a supporter of La Raza Unida Party. La Raza means the people. Well, what about the rest of us, idiots? But that's what the, the you know that's what she was. She was a radical Raza Unida supporter, and she raised these people, the, these kids, in an untraditional home, in a non-traditional home. No father, with a sense of privilege, with a sense of victimization, and this is how they grow up. This is how how they think. They think that they are entitled. They think that the that the affirmative action world is strictly for them, and they have a right and a privilege to uh, do and get. Well, I'm sorry, my friends. You know, uh, over the uh, one of the things that I read uh, the other day was that Mexico. The Mexicans themselves are getting tired of all these caravans that are now lingering on the cor- on on their side of the border because they can't cross. Uh, apparently, President Trump's uh, policies are having an impact, and the Mexicans are now. They, they, there was a, a poll done by the Washington Post and Reforma newspaper in Mexico, and Mexicans are tired of them. Mexicans want them to leave. Mexicans want the illegal alien Central Americans to leave. Now, does that make Mexicans racist? No, it makes Mexicans nationalists. It makes Mexicans normal. I mean, any time that you've got an uninvited guest that doesn't want to leave and starts to demand, I mean, you know, you draw the line and you say, hey, get out of here. So anyway, that's my rant for right now. Let's go. Uh, let's take a quick little break and we'll go to, um, we'll go to our, our uh, first guest, uh, Congressman Chip Roy. And uh, my friends, I, you know, I, I, I am not sure. I am not sure how to calmly, you know, talk about the past week's incidents and and, and uh, uh, responses by the by the Democrat politicians, other than to tell you, gosh, they're they're nuts. So once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, welcome to our show. We've got a great lineup of um, of. Uh, Guests, Mike Kelly from the San Antonio Police Officers Association, Sylvia Contro. And next, we've got Congressman Chip Roy from uh, 21st District, my congressman. Stick around. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got a very, very special uh, guest with us, uh, Congressman Chip Roy, my congressman from uh, Texas District 21. And uh, the congressman's been gracious enough to uh, come on the show today because um, we wanted to chat with him about his recent uh, visit to the border. Uh, But, Congressman, before we start, I first of all want to thank you for all of the things that you're doing. Particularly, I was so impressed uh, when you stood up uh, in Colorado for that uh, uh, protest against that protest when they ripped down our flag. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that, and I'm I'm so happy that you uh, spoke out and and stood up for us. Well, George, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being a voice for reason and sanity when it comes to particularly border security issues, but all issues. Uh, I, of course, was horrified by what I saw uh, unfold in Aurora, Colorado, and the attack on our ICE facility and taking down the American flag and defacing it, raising up the Mexican flag. I thought that was terrible. 
Uh, obviously, I'm horrified about what happened in El Paso uh, this past weekend. Uh, we obviously all pray for those who lost loved ones. Uh, and I think it's germane to the topic at hand. I happen to be in the belief that it is the left who refuses to have a rational conversation about border security, a rational conversation about what we need to do to make sure our country is safe and sovereign, our community is secure, and that we have a path for migrants to come uh, properly, legally, fairly, peacefully. Uh, I think it is uh, the fault of the left that is an obstacle to that, that we have the kind of heightened environment in which you've got uh, people who are frankly just sick who carry out the kind of thing that occurred in El Paso. But happy to talk about what we saw down at the border and, and give you an update. Yeah, tell us, tell us. I mean, because we've seen, we've seen, of course, uh, the media has carried a lot of of what uh, the left and what the Democrats have uh, gone down and seen or not seen. Uh, what what did you see? I mean, what 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 is it that you see uh, and and is needed? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, let me just put to bed the idea that the facilities in which uh, those who are coming to our country are being housed are somehow uh, subpar or uh, uh, inadequate to deal with, um, or, or rephrase it, inadequate to um, be safe and secure and, and have food and shelter and clothing for those who come here. Uh, they are. Uh, CBP, Border Patrol, is working very hard with limited resources to provide facilities that will do the job in the face of a mass influx of people streaming across our border because our Democratic uh, opposition and colleagues in the House refused to do their job to secure the border. So what I saw were facilities that were clean, had water, potable water, water coolers, had TVs with cartoons playing for children, had food, uh, drink, uh, fruit juice, had diapers, had showers, had doctors on duty, people getting shot, people on uh, mats, yes, laying out on mats, sleeping, but they're there for about 33 hours in the case of unaccompanied children going to HHS, less than 48 hours for the vast majority of the people coming through there, who, by the way, for your listeners and for you, George, are being caught and released. They're not even being caught. People are coming across and seeking Border Patrol to be processed and released. That is what is happening with the majority of the people that are coming in, either unaccompanied children or family units. Uh, what I see is a border patrol that is overwhelmed at the border. They are doing more humanitarian relief work than border security. We have oftentimes three, five, nine, ten guys or gals on a border of a stretch in a sector 50 miles long in and around McAllen. I'm not making those numbers up. When you talk to the boots on the ground, they are having many people who get away. You're only hearing about the numbers that are apprehended. There are probably at least that many people who are getting through unapprehended. And the ones who get through unapprehended are the most dangerous. Democratic colleagues don't care. They don't care about your security. They don't care about the sovereignty of this nation. They don't care about the migrants they pretend to care about in the false name of compassion. And I believe that the blood is on the hands of those who refuse to secure our border, of the women and children abused on the journey, the women and children that are dying in deserts because of the heat, abused by coyotes, abused by cartels. Operational control of the border is in the hands of the cartels. And it is the Democrats and, frankly, some Republicans who refuse to do their job that are responsible for that chaos and, frankly, that are causing a lot of the heightened tension that we saw unfold wrongly and hatefully uh, this uh, last weekend in El Paso. You know, we are either directly or indirectly encouraging these folks to come to the United States illegally. Um, last week, we uh, we interviewed, uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, five sheriffs uh, from around the state who are dealing in various capacity with the uh, with the overflow of uh, illegal immigration that the Border Patrol is not able to. And they were telling me straightforward that, um, you know, that... Uh, for every one criminal that uh, might be caught, uh, there might be about ten of them that get away. I mean, is, is is this security issue really on the minds of some of these Democrats in in Congress and in, in Washington? What is truly concerning and really, frankly, appalling is the extent to which um, 
my Democrat colleagues in the House of Representatives, and broadly speaking, uh, are perfectly content using this issue as a political issue and making their focus be on uh, what everything that CBP and ICE make them the enemy, our law enforcement community. These are good people. I mean, not you know. I, I, when you talk about a thousand people in some organization, somebody's going to be a bad apple. That is always the case in every organization. Border Patrol and ICE are filled with really good people, people of the community. Often, some people come in from other parts of the country, but oftentimes it's people who grew up in McAllen, grew up in Laredo, grew up in Mexico, and came to the United States and naturalized. There are people down there that have grandparents and uncles and aunts across the river. They're trying to do their job. And what does Nancy Pelosi or the four speakers of the apocalypse in Tlaib and AOC and, and uh, Omar uh, Presley, what are they doing? They're going after ICE. They're going after Border Patrol. They're criticizing them. They're making their lives difficult. They're making it to where they're uh, mocked and challenged and their kids are made fun of in schools and they're said that they're running concentration camps. It is abhorrent. And it is elevating the very uh, tension. It's elevating the rhetoric in a way that is completely unconscionable. And I'm tired of the left pointing fingers after tragedies at the right because some crackpot does something stupid. But the left isn't doing its job as a, to, to protect a sovereign nation and to make sure we've got a secure border. Which, by the way, to repeat, is better for our nation and better for migrants to have a secure border where the rule of law is defined. It is better for Mexico. It is better for Guatemala. It is better for Honduras. It is better for El Salvador. And Democrats know this and do not care. It, it seems to me like there there is always a discussion of throwing more money at a problem. Uh, I've heard Beto O'Rourke, I've heard uh, uh, Julian Castro talk about how we need to give more money to uh, Central America to stem the tide. I mean, at what point do we stop buying off these problems and start dealing directly with the problem rather than uh, trying to buy off uh, the, the, the problem makers in, in, in their own country? I mean, uh, what at what point do we start enforcing the laws? Well, it's a great question. And frankly, with all due respect to this administration, there's much more that this administration can and should be doing. Uh, I recognize they face a recalcitrant, obstinate, stubborn, uh, frankly, duplicitous Congress that refuses to do its job. But there are laws on the books. There is room for movement by this administration to enforce the laws, and they need to do it more, and they need to do it rapidly. We need to move people to the border. You don't just say there's a national emergency. Move people there from all across agencies. Get people down there to be able to man the, the processing centers and get our border patrol back out on the line. Get more boats in the river. Get more assets down on the river. Move money, move accounts, and get it done. But that is what this administration needs to do. While in Congress, we need to fight to do the things that we could do on one piece of paper, which is fix catch and release. One piece of paper, which is fix the fact that unaccompanied children come here and we don't have a, a, a easy way to get them back to their home countries. We can fix these things. Uh, with literally one piece of paper, one vote, one day, but Democrats refuse to do it. I'm going to continue to be a voice for doing what we should do as a sovereign nation to secure the border and uh, to enforce the laws and stop these dangerous cartels from endangering our communities, perpetuating gangs like MS-13, pushing dangerous fentanyl into our communities, making it to where sex is a very real thing, and then pretending it's not and daring to then uh, say that conservatives are somehow doing this for race-based motives. It is the height of the very thing that's causing tensions today, and I'm not going to stand for it. Somebody wants to call me racist because I believe in border security. They can just pound sand. It is not true, and it is not what is driving Hispanic members of the Border Patrol to secure the border so their communities are safe. So any Democrat wants to have a debate with me about why border security has nothing to do with race, I'll do it anytime, anywhere. But it is complete uh, 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 politics by Democrats to make it a race-based issue instead of a national security and an actual compassionate issue to have border security. Amen to that, Congressman. Amen to that, because my my family has been for generations on the border, and we've always been anti-illegal alien. So, you know, I mean, for crying out loud. Uh, tell us here in the last few moments anything else that you would like to share with us uh, 
regarding uh, your efforts and what uh, what's going on in Washington and in your home district? Well, the uh, 21st Congressional District, as you know, you're, you're uh, a resident of it, you're a constituent. Uh, it's a great district. Uh, we've got uh, strong military installations. I'm working hard to make sure that we strengthen those installations and do what we need to do in the face of, frankly, an irresponsible spending bill by uh, this Congress. Uh, I think the president is trying to manage through that to make sure that our men and women have the tools they need. But the men and women that I talk to in Texas 21 and San Antonio, Austin, have no interest in leveraging and, frankly, mortgaging the future of their children and grandchildren on their backs in the name of national security when we are going to weaken our nation and the biggest national security threat we face is a $22 trillion national debt and racking up another $100 million of debt per hour. It is unconscionable. We're doing everything we can to try to to stop and fight it, but we've got, unfortunately, entrenched uh, institutions in Washington who have no interest in restraining spending. But I know that the people of Texas 21 care about it. The people across the country care about it. I promise to secure the border, work to fight to uh, balance the budget and limit federal spending, to make sure men and women have the tools they need, that we get our health care freedom back so we can go to the doctor of our choice and then get Washington the hell out of the way. And that's what I'm trying to do every day in D.C. Excellent. Gosh, I couldn't ask for a better congressman. Thank you very, very much. Congressman Chip Roy from the 21st District, thank you for taking time and being with us today. George, God bless you. Keep it up. Let's visit soon. Thank you very much. All right, folks, once again, uh, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got our very good friend, uh, Mr. Mike Helley, who is uh, president of the San Antonio Police Officers Association. Uh, here in San Antonio, obviously, and uh, I wanted to reach out to uh, to Mike because we've been having some nasty events, uh, some nasty incidents lately, uh, a complete uh, disrespect for police officers. And uh, last time that I chat- ch- chatted with uh, with Mike, we I had witnessed one myself here in here in San Antonio, a very minor one compared to what's going on in New York City. But nonetheless, uh, you know, a, a disrespect being shown towards uh, towards police officer, and the police officer was doing nothing other than doing his job. So I wanted to uh, reach out to um, to uh, Mike and ask Mike, uh, you know, what kind of pressures are, are are really on the police officers now that we've got particularly a presidential race that features folks that uh, openly uh, talk about. Um, Favoring uh, what I call misbehaved criminal event, criminal activities over policing. Mike, welcome to the show. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about uh, the the police officers and the uh, things that they're under. Uh, give us your take on on what's been going on in New York, as well as any any other incidents like that that you've seen in, uh, even in our town. Um, thanks, one. Thanks for having me, and uh, and thanks for giving. Uh law enforcement, a voice to speak out. Um, let's talk about New York. You know, when I first saw the uh, the video, <clears throat> there was, I think there's two separate ones. Now there's a third one. Um, let's talk about the first one. There's two young officers. We only get the caption of um, one of the officers that's, uh, that's trailing behind. He gets doused with a bucket of water. And then uh, you see another young kid come up and then hit him again with water. Um, then you got the second video, which is uh, two officers making an arrest. It looks like somewhere downtown. And then people are throwing buckets of water at him and then uh, yelling at him. And then somebody threw a bucket. I think he actually hit the officer in the head. So then there's a third one that just came out the other day where they're, everybody's got these squirt guns and they're squirting the policemen and stuff. So talk about the first one for a minute. One of the things that bothered me a little bit about that, not that it is extremely dangerous for the community to believe that that is appropriate behavior. Um, you're going to find out pretty pretty rapidly that uh, if you attempt to do that, trying to be a comedian to a policeman, you're probably going to get uh, you're going to find yourself locked up pretty quick. Um, so setting that aside for a minute, there's some things that we don't know. Like, uh, did these young officers have a conversation with the with the people that they were walking past? Um, it, it just seemed the non-reaction was more of a bother to me than than anything else. You know what I mean? Because there's a level of restraint, but um, we don't know if that's the poor 
have gas on you, they're pouring urine on you, what is it, ammonia, bleach, what is it that, that, that they're dousing with you with, and then how many people have you seen in San Antonio running around with buckets of water? That's true. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, what the heck is it? Who, who runs around with a bucket? I couldn't even tell you if I have a bucket anywhere around the house right now to, to see if I could fill it up real quick if I saw a policeman to do that. So it almost it was, was premeditated. I'm saying on behalf of the policemen, um, what, what, what they did, but just the act of the individuals, right? I mean, so that's kind of odd. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there was a conversation about it. It was extremely hot in New York right now. And we don't know, and I don't think those officers have ever spoken out about what prior conversations would, that they had with those, with those young people, um, prior to the incident. But certainly, um, let's talk about the second incident for a minute. That, that one is totally different where you have officers that are trying to make an arrest and then you've got people that are just coming from all sides, um, uh, you know, throwing, uh, that's just, I'm assuming it's water. We don't know. And then he ended up hitting the officer in the head with, the, with the, one of the buckets because they threw it at him. E- either way, it's there are two different scenarios, but their behavior is totally different. Although it seems to be getting escalated. You, right. If, if, that's because I've had several of my officers ask me, "Well, how are we supposed to react?" Because I can tell you that a large majority of our discipline cases that are handed down by this chief of police is he puts his finger up in the air and he looks where the proverbial winds are blowing and if he feels that the social 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 uh, justice warriors and political correctness any kind of pandering is is involved in this incident and he needs to be on that right side of it then the officer's going to find himself upside down and he's not going to get support from our chief and he's made multiple decisions based upon that so you asked about the pressures that are involved in this so when you have an encounter so the policemen are trained to deal with not with a multiple multitude of different issues, but certainly when you have an administration that's not going to support you, I can, you already know that in New York that de Blasio is just, uh, has this anti-police uh, constant rhetoric, and then when it's convenient, uh, they'll then step on the side just momentarily enough to get a photo op, and then he's going to jump on the other side against the police, the policeman. But when you don't have support, in New York is totally different type of discipline structure where... Um, you know, they fire their guys left and right, and it takes quite a bit for them to be able to get their jobs back. Um, and it's just not worth the risk, especially if you are a, a young officer. You can't afford to take uh, um, that kind of loss, financial loss, for you and your young family or housing. And, you know, housing is very expensive in New York, so you have no other option but to, if you know that if anything becomes uh, politically motivated or divisive in the incident that you're in, that you're not going to get support from the administration and you're going to find yourself uh, on TV and be ridiculed. You're not going to get any support other than your, from your brothers and sisters in blue, but it's just not worth it anymore. That's why you're finding less and less people yeah. wanting to do the job because you're not getting the, the, um, the support. And what, what's, what's interesting also is, uh, or at least to me, uh, how quickly something like this could escalate. I mean, it just seems like it could escalate very, very quickly. Uh, you know, if, if a police officer reacts and the crowd is already, you know, uh, excited. It, it can be, it can be like, uh, um, striking a match in front of a gasoline. You know, it, it'll just, uh, it'll, it'll bloom pretty, pretty rapidly. That's what I'm telling you. It's very dangerous. Of some, that's why I've torn for myself or my administration whether or not we come out and see anything about this. And I hate to give it more oxygen because some, the way that some of our, young people are today they think it's cute yeah you can get it on a right you know make something go viral by doing something really crazy um and and i I don't want to perpetuate that so i'm hoping that typically most of these things have a lifespan that's very short because of our our media so fast and there's so much news coming down the pipe that uh that you know that ended up being yesterday's news people forget about it because they're on to the next new thing and it's it's not appropriate and you're going to get some but somebody's going to get hurt and, uh, and thinking that they are going to be cute because the policeman doesn't think it's cute. But, uh, you know, you asked about, uh, another question you asked is about why have a lot of the, the this presidential uh, race that we see, a lot of the candidates, if not most of the candidates, you see them talking ill about, about law enforcement, about ICE agents, and so on and so forth. It's just, 
to me appears to be this attempt to try to bring back the Obama era uh, mantra of the police are bad, you know, the social justice warriors are good, you know, we can, you know, let's let's bend the laws to where they, you know, it's appeasing to us, we don't have to enforce these things. And literally, you, you just kick the policeman to the curb, and it seems that Trump, although he has changed that dynamic uh, dramatically, and that's why he has a lot of tremendous support from law enforcement across the nation, is that these uh, you know, particularly Democrats, when I'm hearing it from, not too many Republicans, maybe you will hurt, but uh, it's, it's, it's like they want to try to claw that back. And, and that is the wrong direction for our country to go, especially now and more so than ever, is, is that we need to have a good relationship between law enforcement and our communities, right? So it doesn't need to be adversarial, and it shouldn't be adversarial. I mean, because if, if, if you haven't done anything wrong, and you have an encounter with a policeman where there's no reason in the world why you should have any fear at all. That's right. That's what I was always taught. <laughs> right. So, I mean, so certainly if you're out there doing something that you're not supposed to, um, then you probably have a good reason to be nervous. But, but you know, 98, 99% of our encounters are, are really benign, and there's no reason for people to be upset. Now, of course, when the media gets a hold of something, and so like, I'm not going to say that there's never a bad incident, right? So, no, but they magnify that. Sm- that yeah. yeah, they magnify so that. It's not like well, all the policemen are, you know, is that that one small percentage ends up being everybody, and it just kind of erodes any kind of foundation and any kind of any ground that you made with the community. Now, the good thing about San Antonio is that our police department has, I, I think, we have a, a fairly a great relationship or a good relationship with with our with our community can can always be better and can we always approve most certainly and our organization tries to to do what we can in fostering that uh, uh, that relationship uh, but but you have to build those credits on a daily basis because when one particular incident happens it, you know the, the the credits shift right so that that whatever you had built up. Uh, depending upon the, the the reaction or the incident or how um, what it may be bad or not be bad or the perception of it erodes all your credit that you build up and then you got to start over again. It's kind of like being on the beach, right? Every time the ocean comes up, it's always washing away a little bit of the beach every day. And it's the same way with our profession. We continually have to we have to be always showing that look, we're on your side. We're not against you. We're we're just here to. We have a job we have to do, and it's just enforcing our laws to keep you safe and, and the rest of us safe. And unfortunately, uh, there still always seems to be, uh, I don't want to call them outlaws because they're not really the Jesse James outlaws, but there's like, what, like, what little thing can we do to kind of push the envelope to see if I can get a reaction? And, and that group tends to, unfortunately, get probably the most attention, and, and it tends to... Um, overreact situations that ordinarily probably would have been benign, but for the fact that they're doing it intentionally to get a reaction from the police, and then they're, then they're shocked when, it, when they when they get, when they get the reaction. Uh, more than what they expected to happen, right? So, that, but unfortunately, there's people that are there that, like like you mentioned earlier, they, they want to be sensationalized, they want to put it on YouTube, um, and Facebook, and they're, they're trying to get that one thing that, that their incident can get on national TV, and then that you know that's that's kind of like made their whole life. Right now they're a star, and it doesn't matter what it perpetuates like a snowball going yeah. down going down the, the mountainside. It's very dangerous. Yeah, Look, we've only got about uh, thirty more seconds. Uh, what can you what what can you advise us as civilians and as citizens uh, regarding this whole situation? And uh, what would your message be to us? Well, the policemen are on your side. The policemen are not are not your enemies. Um, and certainly, um, you, especially the older adults, um, especially parents, um, you need to be having these community, these conversations with your children about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And and we have to trust the parents that they're raising their their children in good environments, and that they're raising them that the police are not the bad guys or the boogeyman. But when they see these kind of things and they see their kids doing these things out in the streets. They need to be coming out there and settling them down and saying, this is not, this is not appropriate, it's not going to happen. And that's the way I grew up, and I survived. That's the way I'm sure you grew up and all the other families and, and, and 
have been growing up that way. And you have to be a good parent. It starts from there. It starts from the home, being good parents and, and setting a good foundation. You can foster that, continue a good relationship, and this country will be even better than where it is today. Amen. Gosh, Mike, I couldn't, I couldn't say it more. I mean, I, you know, uh, as as I have been called a person of color <laughs> in the past, I have never, I mean, I've never been afraid of the police, and I've never been afraid of the border patrol. So, uh, you know, I guess. Uh, my parents must have taught me something right. Thank you very, very much for being on the show, and um, uh, my uh, my respects to uh, to uh, the police officers and to the the uh, organization that you lead. Uh, I really thank you for coming on the show, buddy. Yeah, thank you, A, and I uh, shout out to you. Um, you know, I I heard that you had brought us some some pastry treats uh, to a substation the other day, and uh, <laughs> those are always very well appreciated. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. It was my pleasure. Have a good one, buddy. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. And we've got uh, my very, very good buddy, uh, Silvio Canto, who is uh, a fellow blogger and broadcaster in Dallas. Uh, and um, I wanted to reach out to uh, to Silvio because he and I have had uh, conversations about this uh, tragedy in El Paso, as well as the one in, in, uh, in Dayton. And uh, we, uh, we, we, he has he has focused on a couple of things that I think are very, very important, and um, uh, I, I think that that are worthy uh, to have uh, discussed. So, welcome to the show, Silvio. Thank you very much for taking time. Uh, tell me, what uh, what do you think of this uh, of these shootings, both in El Paso and in Dayton, uh, as well as these past these other mass shootings that have occurred? Um, what is your opinion, and what what uh, what have you seen as far as commonalities in this matter? Yes, well, first of all, George, it's always a great honor to be with you. Uh, hello, San Antonio. It's always a great honor to be with you and uh, with the folks down there. Um, look, I I think, in fact, I wrote a post about this. Forgive the self promotion, but I give a, I wrote a post about this at the American Thinker today, uh, Tuesday, August the sixth, and where I where I talk about this, and, and the name of the article is. Stop blaming the politicians and take a look at these young men. Because obviously what nobody wants to talk about is what is happening to these young men. There are some, how can I say, profile characteristics, some common denominators, as we learned in math. Uh, these young men, are, are they're not isolated cases. They're not like, you know, this guy is different than this other guy. They're all basically young men who seem to have certain characteristics. Number one, they, they're very lonely. They're loners, okay? They're people who probably, they're the kind of people that you invite to a baseball game. They're very antisocial. You invite them to the baseball game and they spend the whole game looking at their iPhone. They have no idea of socialization. Uh, they're by themselves all the time. I was listening to a psychiatrist on the phone on the radio the other day saying that most of these young men do not have, uh, good relationships with women, uh, with other people. So they're very much by themselves. They live with the internet basically in front of them with a computer screen. So they're very susceptible to every crazy idea in the internet because they have nothing else to balance it with. You know, uh, nothing else to, to say, well, that's not really true or whatever. And I think we need to have a conversation in the country about these young men, why they're doing what they're doing. And this weekend is, is a perfect example. You have the fellow in El Paso who apparently, apparently, uh, and I say apparently because you never really know until you see all the information. Apparently, he went down there to kill Mexicans, but he also apparently hated people who used plastic to eat. So, you know, I have no idea what was inside his head. And then you have a guy in Ohio who was, by every political definition, a crazy left-winger who hated capitalism and everything else. So here you have the two political extremes, if you want to put it that way, but the result is the same. A bunch of dead people are... A bunch of dead, innocent people are, are dead. So um, what we need to start talking about these young men. We need to have a conversation about why our society, our wonderful, rich country with so much potential, why these young men are not fitting in. Why is it that we have other young men who get out of high school, go to college, get careers, get married, have kids, have wonderful relationships, do so very well. But then you have this very small who don't. What is wrong? Why aren't we talking about that, George? So that's kind of a the way I think. I, I really think we make a mistake when we focus on guns and on politics. 
What is wrong with these young men, George? That's my question. That's right. I, I you know, the uh, the discussions, the the intelligent discussions that I've heard. And I, I hate to say it, but there have been very, very few of them. The intelligent discussions that I've heard over the past 48 hours have uh, addressed or have uh, tried to address this issue of uh, these young men who are apparently just lonely loners uh, who uh, just don't seem to fit in. And uh, the lack of parenting or the lack, I mean, you know, the question that I would like to, 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 to ask uh, in every case is where were the parents or where was the where was an adult? Uh, were they not watching what was going on in this uh, in, 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 in their in their room or, you know, in conversations with them? I mean, it, it, there had to be some flags in that aspect of it, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, I think what these kids are missing or these young men are missing is a grandmother. I remember when I was growing up, you know, I grew up in a typical Cuban family, which means everybody's involved in everybody's business. You know, there's no secrets, as they say. And, uh, but, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> you know, what I mean? My, you know, everybody knew what everybody was doing. You couldn't hide anything. Everybody was in your face. But my grandmother uh, was the one that if, if there was a, a party or something and she would come up to you and say, you know, you've been pretty quiet today. What's wrong with you? You're kind of quiet, aren't you? What's wrong with you? Is everything okay? And, well, that's what grandmothers do, you know. That's uh, the, the, the beauty of grandmothers. And that's what these kids really need, these young men. They need a grandmother who would walk up to them and say, well, what's wrong with you? You know, you seem to so isolated. You don't have any friends. What's wrong with you? Why are you in, why are you in your room the whole day looking at that computer? Don't you have a girlfriend? Or whatever, George. That's what's missing. And until we deal with that problem, we can pass all the laws we want, we can give all the speeches we want, but then we're going to wake up one morning and find out that there's another shooting. That's the dilemma we face, George. That's really, you know, it is, that is so, so truthful. I mean, you know, uh, growing up in an extended family or growing up in, 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 in any kind of family, you would have uh, family members that would ask, you know, what's going on or that would have an interest in you. And uh, that seems to be completely lacking in these young men. Now, the other question that, that is really troubling to me that I want, you know, you as an observer and as a writer, a blogger to, to uh, speak to is the reaction of the news media. What do you think about that? Well, uh, just it's just, first of all, it's too much. Maybe maybe there's too much media in the country, too much exposure. I think uh, in many cases very irresponsible because they immediately, they, they take the easy road. It seems like nobody wants to do their homework. They just jump on, on, they get on the same horse. And, of course, in this case, the horse is anti-Trump. And they want to blame it on, on Trump as if somehow Trump, was the one who walked into that place and shot people. Uh, again, in the case of the young man in El Paso, we're not even sure what motivated him to kill. They all want to say that Trump did it. But I'm not convinced that this young man was that rational. Uh, so, But they immediately jump on, on the bandwagon. And then, of course, the double standard. Where, where is this? I mean, why aren't Democrats getting questions about, gee, did Maxine Waters encourage violence when she said get in your face? You know, did that fellow who almost killed uh, Representative Scalise. Did that Bernie Sanders supporter get his ideas from Bernie Sanders or the young man up in Ohio? I mean, they, they, the Democrats seem to get a pass on this. And I don't think that's helping us as a country. I don't think it's helping the news media because it's really showing their colors. And judging by the audience of some of these networks, uh, it's not helping them, George. Well, yeah, and, and, and then you bring up the, 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 the final question that I have for you is, uh, my understanding is that some of the Democrats are even are even raising money at this point off of this tragedy. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure about how to react to that. That is beyond. I mean, that you cannot get any lower than that, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, these people have not even been buried yet. These bodies have not been laid to rest yet. In some cases, there are still people in the hospital fighting for their lives. And you've got letters going out saying, I mean, this is what the letters basically say: I hate Trump. Let's stop the violence. Send me a hundred bucks, and then we'll figure out what to do later. But make sure you send me the money because we hate Trump. That's it. It's really, really sick. I don't know how to explain it. I, you know, if any Republican would try to do the same thing, I would criticize him. <laughs> Thankfully, nobody has. It really, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You know, it is really, really insane. That uh, I mean, it's so shameless. It's absolutely shameless. I mean, any politician, Republican or, or or Democrat, that would take advantage of a tragedy like this to raise money. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I think everybody 
Um, and I and I say this to President Trump, who sometimes goes a bit overboard too. Everybody needs to just calm down a bit, and and just we need we we need to talk more in this country rather than scream at each other and insult each other. We need to talk more, and the left needs to start doing that because if you're going to call me a racist every time I disagree with you, you we're not going to have a conversation very long, George. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, it. Uh, you know, if all you want to do is is accuse and accuse and accuse, well, then you know, at, at what point do we listen uh, and and find some middle ground? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. You cannot have middle ground with someone who says you're a racist and. Uh, that doesn't get you anywhere, George. No, it doesn't. Silvio, thank you very much for coming on. The, tell the folks how they can follow you or where they can, where can they can. Uh, well, the easiest find thing you. to do is, is, is go, well, of course, American Thinker, where I post uh, almost on a daily basis. You can usually find me on the right-hand side. American Thinker is a great resource, and a lot of, you know, I know lots and lots of conservatives see that, and it's a, it's a very well-read uh, website, so... American Thinker, and and my articles are usually on the right-hand side. Uh, and then to listen to some of the podcasts that I do with my friend George, uh, go to Canto, C-A-N-T-O, Talk, T-A-L-K, and it'll come up uh, with that search. And you can get to hear George. Then you get, you get to hear the, the, the opposite of this. I ask George questions then when he's on my podcast, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. It is, it is. Silvio, thank you very much for coming on the show. Folks, once again, my good friend Silvio Canto from, from Dallas, Texas. Thank you, George. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Thank you very much for, for uh, joining us today. I want to thank uh, our uh, guests, Mike Helley from the San Antonio Police Department, Police Officers Association, should I say, my good friend Silvio Canto, who, uh, the blogger from uh, uh, Dallas, and, uh, of course, uh, my, my congressman, uh, Chip Roy, uh, congressman from uh, District 21 here in, in Texas. Thanks. I want to thank them for uh, joining us today. And uh, I hope that you will join us next week. I hope that uh, you'll tell your friends. And uh, I hope that you'll share our podcast uh, as well with others. So, uh, once again, my friends, thank you for joining us. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio deep in the heart of South Texas. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.